Osiris. Hey everyone, it's Cam Hurt, host of the Best Show Ever podcast, and we have got a second season coming out very soon that I am very excited about. We've got some very cool special guests, including musical acts that we all love, like Karina Reichman, Daniel Donato, Jake Brownstein from Eggy, Rick and Peter from Goose, and many more. Tune in for new episodes dropping on Osiris Media March 5th on the Best Show Ever podcast. My name is Raylan Baxter. I am a human being. I am located in Pegram, Tennessee, on a chair made of wood, on a porch made of wood. What am I doing with my art these days? I'm making it, man. And <laughs> we're doing it. it. it, it yeah, we're doing it. I've always been able to wear the shoes well of of like of pining for something that I've never had. It's like the final thing in the video game or something where you got to go get the third piece of the ocarina of time. And <laughs> once you get it, everything falls into place. The kingdom is saved. The heart throb is found pure harmony and fucking holding hands walking down the road forever often i wonder why do we live and die why are we together tonight why in a light so bright you left me all alone in my basement there goes the singing butterfly himself. Raylan Baxter is our guest this week on the show on the road. Uh, thanks for being with us. I'm your host, Z Lupitan. And uh, my voice is a little crispy from playing the first Dels Bowl Revival shows of the year. Um, I just want to say a big thanks to the folks in New England who uh, braved winter weather to come see us uh, all the way in Maine, New Hampshire, Massachusetts, and Rhode Island. It really warmed my jaded touring musician heart um, because you know what it's been a little bit of a rough road uh, for me the last few months just trying to figure out uh, where my place is in the pantheon of music right now um, when you're a band that has been around over a decade um, there's a lot of great support that comes your way but a lot of people also uh, lose interest and um, you change singers you change trombone players people drift away and uh, it is my job as a songwriter and a performer to bring new people in. And so I always say, uh, if there's a band that you love, just tell one person that they exist and maybe bring them to a show. And one artist that I've been screaming to the rooftops about for the last 10 years is Mr. Raylan Baxter himself. And honestly, this new record, If I Were a Butterfly, took a little time for me to dive into. It is a challenging, squirrely piece of art. And I think that's kind of where my head is at right now, so I really need it. And, you know, listening to this record makes me think about how humans also transform like the caterpillar into the butterfly. We don't know how we end up where we do, and yet we do. I thought I would be a novelist. I thought I would be in the movies, and yet 
Here I am in dark bars telling stories to strangers and it feels like the greatest job in the world when it does work. And it only works if people somehow find you in the darkness to hear the stories told. Maybe the most heartbreaking thing about our modern music landscape is that double-edged sword we always have to go into battle with. On one hand, there's so many ways for people to discover your music. On the other hand, there are millions of songs uploaded onto the cloud every moment of every day. How can they find your song? Why would you listen to my story? Maybe it's about finding out exactly how the transformation in our lives takes place. First, a caterpillar, it actually digests itself, releasing enzymes to dissolve all of its tissues, according to Scientific American. And if you were to cut open a cocoon or a chrysalis at just the right time, they write, a caterpillar soup would ooze out. But it's anything but an amorphous mess. Certain highly organized groups of cells, known as imaginal discs, survive the digestive process. We are who we are from the moment we are born, in a way. Before hatching, when a caterpillar is still developing inside its egg, it grows an imaginal disc for each of the adult body parts it will need as a mature butterfly or moth. Its eyes, its wings, its legs. And now, when I look at my one-year-old daughter, yes, little JJ turned one last week when I was on the road, I can only imagine what greatness is to come. Well, there's plenty of greatness being written by Mr. Raylan Baxter, and I can't wait to go on this ride with you. Okay, here he is. Rayland Baxter. Love is such a pretty thing, but lately. It's been hard to find For I can taste it When the wind blows in And I can see it Hiding on the mountainside You know, when we create records that you're talking about as like, this represents who I am right now, but really it represents you in this little microcosm two and a half years ago or something or sometimes 10 years ago and then it all kind of filters through this tiny funnel that we now get to hear yeah well but it, it is it's that that is interesting um well, hopefully one is making art that they can that represents them through their entire you know discography and, and life like i still relate to my first record in a major way just kind of like like the memory was made and the album is still there the first one but and it's still a part of my daily life like who i who i am now is who i am then and it's just like kind of grows like a bush or something you know more fruits more more sunrises more sunsets i'm still the same bush a burning bush that keeps burning yeah, I wouldn't go that far. If I got burned, it hurts, <laughs> and then I think we're burnt down. That's for the biblical um, mysteries, man. However, uh, I, I would like to think that what what I'm doing, or what any artist is doing, is as as grand and uh, as reportable as the burning bush. Well, yeah. If you go back to your first record, Feathers and Fish Hooks, uh, which is over, you know, it's what 11 years old now. 
Um, it's almost it's ten and a half years old. Yeah. A song like Olivia is almost like an old friend, right? That you can always sort of call on. That people know that they have this sort of relationship with. That maybe feels old to you now, but some people are just finding out about it this week, right? The way streaming totally. works, of course. You know, Spotify. They're like they force you to listen to the most popular of whatever your work is. You don't get to choose that. <laughs> you know, right. So it's like, here it is, Yellow Eyes, Olivia, Willie song, songs that are uh, these little microcosms of you a decade ago, but people mm -hmm. are getting to know you almost like in various parts of the past, like a Cubist painting put together, you know? Right. I mean, I think the same thing with like the Rolling Stones or something, like somebody may not hear Sweet Virginia um, until like 50 years after it's come out, but they've heard all the other ones you know and and i don't know life can you hear a good song whenever you're meant to hear it i suppose and uh if i were a butterfly is the new record yeah and, you know, you really took it upon yourself to obviously be the engine behind a lot of these songs, the main producer, the songwriter, obviously, but also put yourself in this unique environment in this abandoned rubber band factory turned studio. You know, you you used your environment, you used uh, sort of almost like home audio from your past to sort of create this full sonic tapestry of 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 your experience um it, you know i started listening again to a, a favorite record of mine uh tom waits's mule variations i'm not sure if you've mm -hmm. ever listened to that one and there's something about this record that really strikes me like that they're on the same plane somehow where you have these very dark and direct kind of rocky funk kind of songs with these radio uh vocals and then these super tender piano ballads to sort of balance them out somehow you know like you're telling stories yeah. from both sides of a, of a broken love story and a in a past yeah well said that's it man uh you know there's that like the i think is the first or second lost boys record where he starts it off and he's talking to some guy in a subway and the guy asks him what kind of music he makes and and he says i make music the way i am my man <laughs> and that's like that's it and this record was the first one where i got to make music without having to follow anybody's guidelines you know really the guidelines were lifted when covid started and then I had an extra two years to work on the record, which I took advantage of. And I, I just dug it, dug into a hole and started laying tile. And that's it. And that's what came out of it. It is like a very uh, accurate representation of who I am and what it sounds like in my head. And what and I was able to like I was learning how to use Pro Tools during this time. And I was editing a bunch, and I I grew up listening to Beck, and so I liked like 
how he kind of turned his voice into a into a, a DJ kind of thing, you know, like very calmly. Yeah. And and so that was fun. I was just by myself for the most part, you know, and I didn't want to see anybody. And I had all these tools in this studio and I had the nature outside and I went through four seasons making this. I mean, at least in the last the last year, starting in December of 2020 to December of 21, I spent that whole year like digging in in the studio for the most part by myself. You know, I, it was great. I would not do it again, but it was a great time. Well, I think when you have that isolation that a lot of us were forced to go into during the first year or so of COVID, <laughs> there's a sense of freedom, but a sense of madness that can kind of come into it, too. Um, yeah. which I think we get that sense in those first few tracks. I mean, that opening track, it's not like an easy, friendly track to drop us into this record. I mean, you have right. obviously yourself as a child singing, but it's like a long, sprawling, um, at times almost scary journey, right? And we're talking yeah. about um, this theme, I think, in that first song of like, are we lost? Are yeah. we lost again? Like, have you lost your mind have you lost your your friends you, you know in 2020 you lost your father you know it's like yeah. like who who are we what are, what is tying us down and if we could be like this tiny creature we could just fly away and, and get away from it all but you can't you have to be inside your own head that's like you have no choice yeah it's not am yeah. i am a butterfly it's if i were <laughs> yeah yeah uh, you know like i mean who doesn't want to fly away the idea of just like, man, I wish I could fly. From a little kid, like, well, where would you fly to? I'd fly away. Well, what's what's at away? Probably more problems. So, yeah. uh, and and more new find uh, forms of beauty. So, it's like, at, at the end of it, I, I've I've learned as much as I would want to fly away or ever wanted to fly away. Like, you don't fly away. You you, you it's all here, you know and some shit you got to deal with and take care of and be responsible with uh, so that you're so that you can experience joy and give joy and then some stuff um is already there in place from maybe proper parenting or or a good group of friends uh and then and then yeah but like life is this record that we're talking if i if i see it in three seconds it's a caterpillar covering himself up and becoming becoming a butterfly or an angel you know it's like you know not only did i lose my old man but two years prior to that the owners and the creators of thunder sound studio they both died within three months of each other and they did one died accidentally and one died on purpose and and there was the one that died on purpose left because he was heartbroken from the one that died accidentally. They were best friends. Mm. Uh, and so, and it just drove him mad. And so it was like, there's a lot of life and death in, in, in a quick caterpillar's life, you know, like in a butterfly, I don't know how long butterflies live, but, um, and, and that was it. Like it was just, yeah, I don't know. I could talk forever about it, honestly. But when you when you go back to that line, all I feel, all my thoughts, are we lost? And then later on, tell me everything you know, are we lost again? 
you know, what does that yeah. lostness feel for you? Like, what? Where is that coming from? Um. Uh, yeah. Well, it comes from, you know, start like with the two guys I was just mentioning, uh, Billy Swayze, not being able to see him come around the corner in the studio and be like, "Oh, damn, that's good, Ray," or. Or damn, Ray, you, you gotta play the bass in the pocket, man. You're 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 wiggling around too much, man. Keep it in the pocket. Keep it in the keep it in the box. And yeah. also, like not being able to call my dad. You know, that's a huge one. Yeah. For yeah. 39 years, well, for 37 years, he is my phone call. If I got jittered, if I got uncomfortable, if I was comfortable and wanted to share something, you know, I would call him out out of the gate, just bing bing. And yeah. so I still like to this very day, I, I wake up and I'm like, man, I wish I could call him. And, and I feel lost, you know, it's like, it's, it's, but what, else, what am I going to do other than find out how to access him in a different realm and learn how to trust what I got inside of me. So I don't feel lost. And so I don't feel incomplete, you know, and low and, and alone, you know, like he's my, he's my dad and I are the same guy. Um, we hear music the same. We play music the same. I think I probably play a little bit more than him and in a, in a bad way, you know, but that comes with age. Um, and I see a tree the same way he does and a bend in a river the same way he does. And so when he died, I, I, I lost like that friend to share something with or to know that on this planet, there's somebody that is very attached to me and, and vice versa. Um, so I think that would be like kind of where the, the lost is, but also during COVID, man, we were all lost. We had never experienced anything like that in our lifetime. And so everyone yeah. was like, ah, can I get near you? I used to love you. I love you still. Are you going to die tomorrow? Should I cough yeah. into my sleeve when I'm in a coffee shop? Um, you know, all that stuff was just like weirded us all out. Well, yeah, there's this other line that I saw maybe as a through line or maybe just accidental. Oh my God all I feel, all my thoughts. And then that line in graffiti, all I do is mumble, oh my God, on repeat, right? This sort of uh, mystical uh, confusion that we, we all have, like, are we all going to be wiped out tomorrow? Or maybe this will pass and we have to like actually wrestle with what's really going on. Yeah. I know when my dad passed, all I could say was, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And Papa. And that's it, man. I said that for four days until until I got into his house and had kind of like an amazing, miraculous, spiritual moment where I spoke with him for two and a half hours in his house. Wow. Um, and but I, all I could say is, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. You know, it's like this this long, this long, like acceptance. But, you know, when shit's fucked up, people say, oh, my God, you know? Yeah. It'd be funny if like Jesus came back, you know, if he like rose from the dead, like they said, and everyone was just like, they fell down the stairs and they're like, Jesus Christ. He's like, man, that's not really how I thought this was going to go. <laughs> that's funny. Like, are they saying that like in a good way? Or? Jesus Christ. But yes, I am. <laughs> that's me. Yeah. So keep your balance. <laughs> For folks who don't know, uh, your dad, uh, Bucky, you know, played with Bob Dylan and, and all sorts of folks, but can you tell us a little bit about him and maybe how, um, you know, he influenced you or, or shaped you musically? 
Yeah. Um, my dad, he's a pedal steel player, among other instruments, but he, he played. He's one of the original Dukes of Steve Earle and the Dukes back in the 80s. Guitar Town and Copperhead Road, um, which is a big alt country, the birth of alt country. I mean, kind of, you know, Waylon Jennings, I guess people would say, and, 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 and all that stuff. But um, he played with Bob. I played with Steve Earle for 10 years, played with Bob Dylan for 10 years. He played on some Sheryl Crow hits and he played with the Beastie Boys and Los Lobos and Ryan Adams. Um, not like a country pick and pedal steel player, but he always managed to play the right thing. And he was known to be a great band member because um, he always played the right thing. He listened very well to music and, and he just kind of like had a lot of trust and faith in the powers that we cannot explain. And he loved to go on fishing trips. Um, but he taught me a lot about music. When I moved back to Nashville 14 years ago, I was just starting to play music. And so he would play with me every show I had. We would write songs together and he would kind of like constructively critique me after the shows and that you know, uh -huh. I had like, I had a big advantage in, 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 in comparison to my contemporaries because my dad, in comparison to most of my contemporaries, I, I just had Bucky as like, he, he was the, he, he played for some of the greatest songwriters that we know of, Steve Rowe, Bob Dylan, Ryan Adams, as much as he's like getting some flack right now, that guy made some killer records that created the new Nashville. Um, and so he saw how these guys stood. He saw how they carried themselves in interviews and how they carried themselves before and after shows. And so I was able to kind of like uh, just learn from them through him. Mm -hmm. He's like the special sauce in a lot of these bands, you know. Yeah, like the, big time. the butter on top. But Bucky, the butter on top, Baxter. There you go. So that that track, graffiti, the line no surprise you're finally alive graffiti street yeah graffiti street it's like was was that about sort of sort of seeing your dad come you know come back in that conversation or was that a totally different moment um that's more that's more a song about billy swayze and you know billy billy when he passed he was running from the law like he'd been running from the law for the past previous years you know like the local cops in franklin kentucky kind of we're out to get him um and but he's dancing he's dancing in in the heavens now you know playing rock yeah. and roll music he was always transcendent like he was when he played music he was that pure music he right. became music um and so you know i see him dancing on the rooftops kicking his shoes off having a good old time and, and graffiti street is reference to spray paint road which is a nickname for Coomer Road, which is the street, uh, the road that that studio is located on. And since the 70s, it's just been accepted by the county um, up there that you can go take spray paint and spray paint on the road, anything you want to. And mm. for, for like three miles, the road's covered in spray paint. It's awesome. And so um, that's that, you know, he's alive now. No surprise, you're finally alive. No 
You know, talking about Steve Earle, it reminds me of the... Uh, I, I got to interview him for this podcast in his tour bus. And, Hell yeah. Uh, <laughs> he, he had like this back table and we sat at this little table, but it was hard to like put your feet down because he had about 150 cowboy boots all over the ground. Like, <laughs> like the rug was just cowboy boots for him to choose, yes. I guess, for the show, you know? And while he was doing the interview, he had two huge TVs watching the Yankees, like Whoa. baseball, like, and, and he would stop every like few minutes and just like analyze what was happening at the plate and then go back to the conversation. <laughs> That's awesome. Steve Rowe is awesome, man. He he's had a long journey and was well, I, I discovered how fucking awesome he is beyond music when I just saw him on The Wire. He's an actor on The Wire. Yeah. And I was like, "Damn, that's Steve Rowe. Acting real good." And he's kept on making records and and you know, unfortunately his son passed and that's got to be a fucking just a, a situation to deal with uh, when the son passes before the father and um did you know justin but, at all i did i didn't know him well but we have like probably uh fading childhood memories together but i, I toured with him in sweden in uh, like 2014 or 2015 we did a rolling thunder review-esque hmm. um uh called the rolling rootsy the rolling rootsy review okay. and they got a big like love for americana music out there in bluegrass yeah. so there was seven bands that that traveled in four different vans and we popped around from city to city and the stage was already set up and we played and it was a good time justin was there yeah, it's uh, it's heartbreaking. I think seeing a tortured soul, I guess you could call him, like not be able to make it through, um, to be able to create music as an older songwriter like his dad. And, like we'll never know what he's gonna write on the other side of it because he's not here. You know, a lot of people yeah. just well, that's that's his journey. Make it man. through. Yeah, yeah, that's that's his journey. I, I was um. I was listening to some radio show like Across America or something. Uh, I forget this dude, but he was talking about how, and, and before we're born back, before we're re, yeah, reincarnated, we have, we're given four exit points. We choose to to, to leave this life for, at four exit points. We we pick one, and so uh, since hearing that, whether it's true or not, I don't. Like, I've looked at death like, all right, well, my dad, before he was reincarnated to be Bucky Baxter, to be William Baxter, he, he chose that spot to leave. And that's when his lesson and his teachings was up. And so I think about maybe Justin, without him knowing now, he chose that exit. And, uh, you know, kind of like in Big Fish, when you look into the lady's eye and you see how you die. I don't think it helps anybody out to know how they die, but um, but it, it makes it easier to think that it wasn't like 
completely accidental. I think, uh, you know, obviously people have made some comparisons to the Beatlesque quality of this new record. Um, maybe, you know, an Abbey Road, a, a White Album vibe. Um, but not not a lot of people do this. But when you reference a song that hasn't come up yet in the album order, like My Argentina, but you're referencing mm -hmm. the same lines in Dirty Knees, right? Yeah. And uh, I didn't realize that, obviously, until I, I came back around. But you have almost like these two different viewpoints. In Dirty Knees, you have like almost a bebop trumpet, you know, an old smoky jazz club uh, mm -hmm. sort of slam poetry reading, you know. And then My Argentina, obviously, a much more tender, unrequited love song feeling how did you want to connect those uh two things together or did it sort of ha happen accidentally it was uh accidentally like so I, the night before we recorded dirty knees i recorded my argentina by myself on a piano and we had made arrangements to as a band to record to attempt recording my argentina the next day as a band and so Dirty Knees is our sound check. And it's just all of us sitting in the room jamming and uh, for like 30 minutes on this groove. And I had all my sheets of, of songs and lyrics that I was flipping through while, while we were just jamming. I started freestyling. And then it went off into the freestyle land where, you know, uh, you say I could lay down here for hours, and not go anywhere. And then I, all of the lyrics were jumped off of little platforms of already existing lyrics. Uh, and that was that's just a freestyle jam. And then, I, of course, we were going to record My Argentina. So that was sitting there on the piano. And, uh, and, and I decided to sing a little bit of that. Um, unintentional, but, but that was fun. You know, that's how that came about. Well, I could stare at you all day. Sing into your beautiful face Wanna open up my eyes And all I wanna see is your eyes But I want it, and you got it I feel it kind of more I feel it, I feel it kind of more Than I wanted to Another beautiful instrument The heart, another beautiful The idea that, uh you know, you could sort of look into this person's eyes forever, uh, but you don't know if they're ever going to see you in the same way, right? Um, the, there's definitely a thread of unrequited love, of, of yearning, of two people, two ships sort of passing each other in the current of, of affection and love and, and lust and, yeah. and desire. Um, um when you try to write a love song, do you see the person that you're writing about, or is it sort of more of a feeling or a, almost a, a an emotion versus this actual person? Yeah, it's it's like like uh, it, it yes, it's more of the feeling, you know, and just the the pursuit of pure love and harmony with another human being. Um, these this should be education in in schools like how to <laughs> how to survive in the woods how to be nice to your partner 
and how to understand other human beings like with tailgating for example when somebody's tailgating me my immediate reaction is motherfucker get the fuck off my tail man god damn what the fuck did yeah. i do to you but maybe they just walked in on their husband or wife fucking somebody else or maybe their mother's in the <laughs> hospital and they're on the way to the hospital yeah. Or maybe they're going through absolute worst shit and it has nothing to do with the person that's being tailgated. Um, you know, like understanding that in a relationship is also a gift that I don't, you can, we can either teach ourselves or go to therapy to find out or have our parents who love each other and who are nice to each other all up through the upbringing of a child to, to learn from, um, you know, but most people don't have that. So, so, the tailgater is going to be the asshole and the guy getting tailgated didn't do shit. Well, I remember being a, a kid and seeing my parents who God bless them are married almost 40 years. That's amazing. Years, 40 years. Um, and I remember looking at them and being like, how do these people even stay together? Like they seem like they have literally nothing in common. They're arguing about the dumbest shit I've ever heard. Like they seem like they honestly hate each other some of the time. Like, how is this a thing? You know? And then of course, like the next day they're like so perfect for each other. Obviously they're going to be married for 40 years, you know? And I feel that yeah. way sometimes about me and my wife, you know? Um, it's like you get into an argument sometimes and you're like, who are you? Like, why <laughs> are you like this? I mean, this is like a thing that like, I will say, you know, like why, are you the way you are, <laughs> you know? Uh, and I think like that, that mystery, that frustration is, is why most art exists, right? Trying to figure out like, how do I love you, but also despise you sometimes? Yeah, like, man. Ah, you know, because the people who you really love are the people who get under your skin so deep mm -hmm. that the smallest look, the smallest, a uh, little bit of negativity just throws you so hard, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Be like, be like, you love me. <laughs> no, you don't love me. You wouldn't do that if you loved me. Why would you say but, that? Yeah. But really all, all of that is done. Um, all, all of that is, all of that is done. And, and it's like, well, how much do I love myself and where do I see where do I find somebody else's, where do I scapegoat that to, you know? Well, the song that obviously, uh, you know, really hit me hardest and, and a lot of people are gravitating to is uh, Tadpole. Um, and, you know, you're going back to when you were a kid and seeing this stuff happen around you, the, obviously the, the beauty and, and simplicity of your childhood neighborhood and, you know, throwing, paper airplanes on top of the church and and but also feeling this sense of of dread and, and death when you see this neighbor that you know kills herself it's just these are the these small moments that stack up to create who you are you know um mm -hmm. and you know when you started writing that was there a point where you felt like you had to go to that moment where you heard that gunshot or is it like almost too personal? Like sometimes it's so personal. It's, it's painful. Right. I wrote that song with Kai Welch who's one of the producers. We wrote like four songs that day. And that was the one that, that came out 
we you know we wrote it in the studio and then we recorded it that day we we uh we we're like oh this is the one uh and so i think that's not a dark moment but it kind of is i guess like some lady kills herself across the street from me i didn't see her do it i just heard the gunshot um that's pretty terrifying but, you know, yeah it was it, i mean i was so young that it's just like you know no big deal kind of i guess I, at the time i wasn't i wasn't i wasn't like oh my god mom. Yeah, you just didn't even know pull those right. lights and i was out on my bicycle the next day you know um it's uh that's just just you know childhood shit you know ding dong the witch is dead all my neighbors whispering the redder pulled the trigger on a quiet summer morning the shot was loud enough for everyone to hear on Cleve Street my mother wasn't home that day so I cried Every now and then I drive down my old street Every now and then I stand barefoot in my old backyard There I see my savior staring back at me I wonder if I've changed at all since 1983 oh. Yeah, there, there's something about experiencing things that, as a kid where it, there's so much passing by you, like like you're on a highway and and, and the stimuli is, is flying by you. Uh, I, I see that in my little 11 month old daughter. Like we're doing all this stuff with her, right? We're like, you know, we're gonna we're going to Hawaii and like you know we're in Mexico, and then we're like, she's not gonna remember any of this. <laughs> <laughs> like all this really cool stuff has happened to her that most adults will never experience. She will have right. literally no memory of it, but I guess we have all these videos and, and photos, but it's fascinating because it's like, it's like when she opens a Christmas present, she doesn't care what's inside. She wants to play with the paper, you know, like yeah, she wants yeah, yeah. the sparkly wrapping is the most exciting thing. Not the really cool toy that someone spent a bunch of money. <laughs> right. She's yeah, like, but she's a, yeah. she's shaped she's shaped by it all, man. She's shaped by your joy that you experience, you know. You know this stuff when you're out there in Hawaii and uh like for the for the future, you know, the joy that you experience dipping your toes in the ocean with your daughter and your wife, you know, that's like that'll go on to make you a better father when she's 12, I think, you know. And so she she may not remember it other than the pictures, but it'll it'll it's like valuable valuable time that what, goes what, on for decades what do you think is your earliest memory that you can actually think of like how oh, young oh probably like four four or five four or five i think having a birthday party my mom had a um she built she like dug treasure she she buried fake crystals and pearls in the backyard of our house and yeah we had a pirate's booty. Like we all dressed up as pirates for my fourth birthday. Um, and all my friends from like preschool, I guess, or whatever came over and we had clues 
And I remember digging up holes in the yard, finding treasure. Like we had a big wooded backyard when I was a little, little kid in old Hickory. And that's, I think that's my earliest memory. How was your mom's relationship with your dad being gone and, and being a musician? Well, they, they were divorced when I was three. So they were like, you know, they didn't get along for a long time. And I remember my mom saw my dad for the first time in a decade, like four years ago. And I was just like, damn, y'all actually loved each other. <laughs> Fucking weird. You know, my dad's like, hey, Claudia, how you doing? My mom's like, hi, Bucky. How are you? You know, yeah. <laughs> like my mom's freaking radical. You know, don't get me wrong by the sweet voice. Like she's really smart and definitely, you know, um, ate acid when, before she had kids, you know, and did the far out thing and was a hippie. Um and so that's why I think it worked. But, um, you know, life goes on and people grow up and they definitely divorced because they came together to make two things, my sister and me. Uh, you know, that's why they got together. And, you know, she was she's she was pretty heartbroken, too, when he passed. But she had to step up to the plate for her kids and become a, a sweet mother um, in our in our old age. You know, my I'm almost 40 and my sister's almost 41. And so, you know, Claudia, my mom, she is like, she stepped, she showed us kind of how spiritual she is uh, that we didn't even know about. Was there a a type of music or or a songwriter or something that you actually got from her versus your dad? Oh man. Um, like what was her taste? Like her taste was all in, in, in excess. She liked okay. in excess um, and classical music and like Joan Osborne. She was big into Joan Osborne, Tom Petty. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that was the first show I ever went to. Taj Mahal opened up. My dad got us tickets because he was already playing for Dylan at this point. It was at Starwood Amphitheater outside of Nashville you know a memory long gone that that amphitheater is like they i think actually i heard recently they're gonna revive it but it's like growing weeds and has cracks in the ceilings and yeah. and the foundation but um yeah tom petty joan osborne and in excess and then classical music like i don't even know just classical music yeah i almost assume that like my mom who doesn't like actively listen to music at all like I was like, oh yeah, my dad gave me all the music that I uh, love and influenced me as a songwriter and as a band leader. And then I realized, like, oh yeah, my mom was playing all these cassettes in the car, Simon and Garfunkel, yeah. on Stat, Cat Stevens, uh, Patsy Cline, like all that stuff is now filtering in now, almost, you know. And that was all I, from I her. I forgot to mention. Yeah. I forgot to mention, my mom is responsible for my first album here it is my dad's best my dad's buddy gave me like a he gave me a megadeth cd when i was in kindergarten for my birthday and i brought it home and my mom's like no dude no no (laughs) so we went to target and we replaced it we returned it for sergeant pepper's lonely hearts club band and that was my mom's doing right there and like that's there you go you know that's that set me off to the right path um isn't that funny how like I probably wouldn't be talking right now. It feels like boomer parents. It's like did this great service to us, you know, late 30s 
songwriters by like having Beatles be our children's music. Like that was yeah. like the music we had as kids. I mean, it was like, yeah. And it feels like it is children's music in a lot of ways. It's playful, but it's also like, mm-hmm. you know, Helter Skelter is not a kid's song, <laughs> but yeah, the, the, it's like a Disney movie has great villains and yeah. darkness yeah. in it too. You know, I yeah, get yeah. concerned by, you know, going to daycare and my daughter's, you know, listening to this, like, Da, 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 da. like these like happy cheer i'm like turn this crap off like why like can we get some more nuanced <laughs> like put on our sergeant pepper Come the on. sun is the sky and brightness is the sun and why we 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 <laughs> like all right was there a, when you started touring was there a show where you realized like this is really going to work you start playing shows when you're younger and then you're like well i'll do this for fun and then see what else happens was there like a tour a moment where you're like oh people are really getting behind what i'm doing yeah uh let's i mean the first tour i did was the first legit tour i did was opening up for the civil wars in their big their big their only no they put out two albums but their first album you know it was like sold out shows everywhere from seattle to tennis to no from seattle to memphis we played and and i would play solo i'd open up solo and you know i I was like doing something that people really were listening to and so from the get-go you know i i was i realized like okay i'm gonna i want to do this i'm doing something that people are really gravitate gravitating to and it's bringing them joy it's making them cry and i'm somehow i'm emoting this type of thing um and you know and for years i i could only afford to go out by myself so i would go out like i opened up for grace potter and she's got a pretty rowdy and i play yeah. solo and i'd learn i'd learn how to like get through the talking audience and and i opened up for lauren hill for a few shows and that solo you know how how did that come together oh we we played the electric forest festival up in um, michigan one year one summer and she walked by our she was headlining that night and she walked by our set in the woods and i was playing with the band four of my buddies and we had all taken acid and molly (laughs) and we're like just rocking out i had a bottle of jameson i was ripping down my guitar and it was in this forest with a bunch of chinese lanterns everywhere and this was cool and we were having a far out far out experience and so she was like with she was with her booking agent from what i understand she's like well we need that we, we need them to come open up for us uh, and so i did two shows solo just because of the travel uh, uh logistics and then we played as a band opened up for her in louisville at a big amphitheater so that's how that came about it's cool as fuck because she she's cool as fuck and she was like she, she she would stay after her set and say hi to every fan that stayed man everybody wow. Everybody. I feel like that song Rubber Band Man would feel really good in that frenzied, drugged out forest in Michigan. I feel like I would like to see oh, that yeah. in that environment. <laughs> yeah, I, I hope. I don't know if they do that. You know, they do that festival. But th- that was like when Electric Forest is more of an EDM festival. Sorry, I'm playing my dog. Uh, he, that's hippie. That's his hippie potamus, by the way. Aww.
Do you have a band in place for the shows that are coming up to play this record? Yeah. All those guys that played on the record, I'm touring with. Not all of them, but um, the drummer, Kyle Davis, he played on half the songs. Um, the guitar player, Barney Cortez, he's like my, he's my brother, you know, so he's coming out with us and Todd Bolden, the bass player, um, he's touring. He, I mean, I've been touring with, with him and Barney for like four years, five years, almost Aaron Embry is going to play with us in LA. Who's playing some ragtime piano. He played a bunch of the piano on that Mac Miller EP that I did. And, um, Kai Welch, the other producer, is probably going to come out with us for some shows. And so, yeah, those guys are all like down. It's the first time I made a record with the band I'm touring with. And it makes it for, it makes it pretty easy. We don't have to rehearse uh, at all. Yeah, it's like a well-oiled machine. Yeah. Let's just say that five years from now, you're given the opportunity to uh, start your own music festival. and you can do it wherever you want, anywhere in the world, any venue, and you get to put five acts to headline. How does it work? Well, I've actually thought about this. Um, it would be located. It would be called Rayland. It would be located in Rayland, Ohio, uh, which is in Northwest Ohio. There's actual city, a little town called Rayland, Ohio, spelled the same way. Um, it would be. Uh, let's see. I put. The Kingston Springs, they've dismembered. They put out one record. They're all friends of mine. But if you ever heard of Ian Ferguson, he is one of the old members of this band. That They put out an incredible record when they were in high school. Like this, the town that I live next door to right now. Uh, they would play. I'd have Liz Cooper play. And I'd have The Strokes play. And I would mm-hmm. like to have... Um, that's about... I guess I would have to play. So then there's one other band. I'd get the Osborne brothers to play. Um, old right. bluegrass, old bluegrass boys. I think they're all dead though. No, they're alive actually. You can bring them back. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, shit. In that case, fantasy. Okay. I fuck it. I'd have Grateful Dead play, and I I would just DJ. Boom. If you could collab with your dad bring him back for the festival for one song what would you play together let it all go man the last track on wide awake yeah definitely that's kind of his motto it's like just keep her cool ray let it go man let it go good morning everyone gather around grab a chair make yourself a drink blow your smoke into the air Contemporary sadness and fire-breathing dragons are everywhere But the days go by here in old Belvedere And the way that it goes is just the way that it is But do you ever wonder if anyone is ever gonna make it out? Is it wonder? Is it fame, or is it popularity that ruins everything? Is the river not the rain? Why is everyone pretending that there's not a drop to drink? Well, there you are, holding on to everything. Let it all go, man. 
Let it all go, man. Well, I'm really glad that you're uh, you're making music on your own terms, and uh, you know, Wide Awake is I think one of my favorite records of the last ten years. I think it's, yeah. it's, a, it's a masterpiece, and I'm getting to know this new record, and um, you know, it's it's really cool stuff, man. And uh, thank you. You are the first returning guest on the show on the road. All right. I think we're going to call this episode Raylan Baxter returns. Yeah. Returns. Like Batman. Beep, 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 beep. Yeah, man. We'll keep up the good work and uh, we'll see you in April. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, bud. Bye-bye. The cracks in my hand and the lines on my face. Fail to remind me The frail and the blind See the same as me Is it madness Or is it fear My brother I'm not really sure After all these years Is it wonder Is it love Or is everyone Believing that it's Under their control here we are, just waiting to explode Let it all go, man Let it all go, man There he goes, Mr. Rayland Baxter, everybody. I can go to RaylandBaxter.com for his newest record, If I Were a Butterfly, on ATO Records. And uh, he'll be touring uh, with his really awesome band. Um, he'll be playing in Colorado in March, the Belly Up, in Englewood, uh, in Salt Lake City, Boise, Seattle, San Francisco. I'm coming down here to California, uh, playing Pappy and Harriet's March 31st and April 1st. No fooling at the Troubadour. I'm definitely going to check that one out. If you're curious what my band Dust Bowl Revival is doing, because of course you are, uh, April 22nd, yes, we will also be at the Troubadour, our home base here in L.A., and uh, actually going to be playing some really cool shows up the West Coast, uh, Portland, Seattle, um, Sacramento, Santa Cruz, uh, Berkeley, some shows with uh, GA20, a really cool blues rock band from Boston, and with... Grammy winner and friend of the show Dom Flemons including that show at the Troubadour so please check that out dustbowlrevival.com slash tour did you know that you can actually donate to the show to keep us going yes check out the show notes on the podcast page you'll see Red Circle as a way to send us a little cash to keep the lights on and uh, if you listen to music in the morning yes Saturday mornings my radio show The Sway Out West Radio Hour is on 88.5 FM, the SoCal Sound here in L.A., or you can stream it anywhere. I had a lot of fun last week playing a lot of music from Brazil. Um, When we're on those long drives, we like to find music that maybe we've never heard in our entire lives. So if you have something I should hear, send me an email, showontheroadpod at gmail. That's it for me, folks. Uh, The Show on the Road is written, produced, and edited by yours truly, Z. Lupiton, and we are part of the BGS Podcast Network. We'll see you on the trail very soon with more episodes. Hey there, I am Johnny Christ from Avenged Sevenfold, and I've got a podcast called Drinks with Johnny you're going to want to check out. I sit down with a bunch of different people from all different walks of life, from professional wrestlers to 
actors, comedians, fighters, musicians, everything in between. I'm just looking to make some friends and have a good time doing it. So if that sounds like something you're into, go check out Drinks With Johnny, streaming everywhere now.